Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the World Cup Daily Podcast with me, Fergus Mainland, Imogen Ainsworth and Alex Reid. And this morning we're delighted to be joined by Scottish freelance journalist Gary Heatley to run through all of the action from the opening weekend of fixtures. We'll be focusing on the home nations, the Scotland and Wales match, as well as looking back on England's success against Fiji. And... We'll dive straight in, Gary, and I suppose just broadly starting off, we had a fantastic opening weekend of matches. What did you make? Yeah, no, as you say, I thought it was absolutely uh, excellent. I mean, you know, you hear so much from the build-up to these kind of events, never quite sure how it's going to pan out, but I thought the, you know, South Africa-France, the first game, obviously France came out on top quite easily in the end, but South Africa really took it to them, and I think that was the kind of, um, that's what kind of happened over the whole weekend, the sort of smaller nations, if you like, really, Ticket to their opponents. I mean, uh, yeah, that first game, I and mean, then obviously second up, Fiji taking it to England, so I, and then building into Australia, New Zealand, and then the Sunday games in Whangarei were great as well. So I think overall, as a first weekend, it was uh, really good, and I think it'll, you know, I've got a lot more eyes on it for, for week two. I think Imogen, what's been really nice to see is just the reaction that we've had online to all of the fixtures. Um, I mean, we know the reaction that we had in New Zealand sellout crowds for the Black Ferns game but the reaction online has been brilliant hasn't it? Yeah it's been great just going through kind of Twitter seeing all the highlights and what people have got to say about it there have been some quite good kind of inside stories as well that you don't always see um, from the World Cup so a lot of personal stories going around which has been really nice as well. Gary we'll start with um, we'll start to, we'll start with the Scotland Wales game we'll go with that one first you and I were still we're just about over over that performance um, from from Scotland and I think what was what was really interesting, looking back on some of the quotes that came out of the press conference, the I think the term wearing their heart upon their sleeve from um, Scottish captain Rachel Malcolm was 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 used quite a lot. But I think at the end of the day, I think it's the, the team has to be more clinical and it has to come away with key conversions if they're going to win close matches, which I think the Australia game will be. No, absolutely right. I mean, you, you definitely can't doubt the, the passion and things that the girls have brought to the squad and you just saw from both teams the anthems were amazing but uh, yeah you're right they just have to on the pitch more clinical they tend to start games quite slowly and they did that again against Wales yesterday which gives you a bit of a mountain to climb uh, yes the, they left some points out there with the boot but the first 20-30 minutes was just a bit and they were a bit off it and um, they show when they do get get their game going that they can compete but uh, it's just doing that for, for 80 minutes um, they end up kind of chasing games sometimes which is which is tough, and I feel sometimes they just don't get their their big players into the game. I don't think Ronald Lloyd had many touches, you know, top scorer in the team, Chloe Rowley at fullback as well. Um, they maybe needed to play with a bit more width because when they did, they stretched Wales. But um, but you know, credit to Wales, they played they played a a great game um, attacking wise. Defensively, they obviously gave away a lot of penalties, but you know, Wales really really brought it in the first 20, 30 minutes, and that that in the end really sort of got them through. Yeah, you spoke about the penalties that Wales are giving away. Obviously, there's been a lot of debate about around whether the ref should have given another yellow card. What do you think about um, her keeping her cards close to her chest? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, when they did get one in the 65th minute, I think that was for a scrum penalty rather than for a continuous um, infringement, which was seemed to surprise Brian Easton, the Scotland coach. Um, I think that was Wales's 15th penalty they given away in the whole game. And I think just before half-time, they'd given away a few in the 22 and then Scotland went for a penalty rather than going to touch again, which 
um, was maybe in hindsight the wrong decision. Yeah, I would have thought a card might have come earlier, but you know that's the way the way it goes. I, I don't think Scotland perhaps managed that as well as they could either. They they kept trying to play the, the in tight game rather than, than getting it wider. Um, and, and I think they have to have more belief in their outside backs that they can they can they can do the job. But yeah, as I say the referee will make those decisions, but you've got to you've got to play the play the game that's in front of you. Emo, I suppose. Looking at the, the matches that they've got next, Scotland go against Australia and Wales go against New Zealand. I suppose for Scotland, do you think that's probably quite a good thing going up against Australia, a match that they, they've got a very, very good chance in, as opposed to going out and probably getting battered by, by New Zealand? Yeah, I think the timing is quite good for that. They might be able to regroup and kind of give Australia a good go and then head on you know, into New Zealand later. But... I think it should be quite positive for the mindset going into that game. It's, it's one Gary that I think I think it's worked out best for them. I think having this Australia game next. I mean, we saw fight from them. Um, you know, went up against uh, New Zealand. I think none of us. I think we're all baffled on our our WhatsApp chat saying, "Well, what on earth is going on? Why are why are Australia up against New Zealand at half time?" So I think for Scotland, it's working out well for them. They can um, bounce back, hopefully. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, yes, a defeat. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. There was some some good stuff in there, and they they will com- they will compete and, and go at it. It's, uh, and I think you know, a six day turnaround in Test match rugby is always tough, but I think it is probably best for them that they just got a game straight away almost. And uh, and it's in Fangaree, so they don't have to move too far. They can just really get straight into this game. We cannot dwell too much on on the Welsh game. And and yeah, Australia obviously did well in the first you know 50, 60 minutes against New Zealand, but. They are still quite a new test team and a lot of sevens players come in. So Scotland will, you know, will feel that they can compete in that match. Yeah, well, fingers crossed uh, for that game against Australia. Uh, fingers and toes and everything crossed for that. But, Emo, we've had a little bit more time to reflect on um, England's performance. Um, England's fantastic performance against Fiji. But if you're the head coach of New Zealand, well, certainly France this weekend, and you're looking at that performance, you've got to be thinking, well, Fiji have just shown us how we've got to exploit exploit England's defences. Yeah, I was thinking that. You know, I said in the last episode we did that um, in the Six Nations, England only conceded four tries, yet they conceded three to, to Fiji. So that's obviously a big worry for them. And they, they said they were rattled in that first half. I think the, their like experience of the team really helped at half time to be able to kind of gather their heads and go from there. But when when you're looking at how Fiji played and how explosive and speedy they were, if other teams start to do the same, then England could worry a bit. I saw something on Twitter as well saying, "Do England have a plan B? Do they have, you know, a, an exit plan if if things aren't going their way?" And that would be really interesting to see if if the other coaches can kind of find a find a spot where they can can exploit England in that kind of respect. Yeah, certainly. And but I think Alex, it's um, it's worth noting they still racked up. 84 points they can they can score tries no problem at all but not every game is going to be a Fiji you're going to be start, you're going to, at some stage you're going to start going up against the other professional teams um, and they need to I think as Imo said there they've got to have other options of attacking or other plans of, of defence because well, I think what was it more tries that they conceded during that Fiji match than they conceded during the whole of the Six Nations yeah just one short so I think that Tournaments are all about building, and I think that oftentimes people forget that this is their first game, and they probably haven't had a test match for a while. 
but the need to take this into account and say, okay, we didn't play our best, but I, I have faith in this England team that when they come up against the best opposition, they step up to the plate. Like they've got players that do that. People like Emily Scarrett et al. Who will just come out and absolutely, they're just absolute test match animals. So I'm not worried. Um, it was a little hiccup, but they still did put 80 plus points on someone. So I don't think it's that bad. You're still prepared to channel your inner George Michael and have some faith, are you? Yeah, I am, yeah. Good, good. Gary, are, are you are you in the majority? Did you have England head and shoulders favourites? Let's just hand the trophy to them before the, before the tournament um, started. Yeah, I mean they're, they're definitely favourites, but I think when the tournament's in New Zealand, you know, you, can, you know, New Zealand are going to be right up there. I think, um, yeah, obviously France this weekend for England's going to be really interesting, and you know France didn't really hit their straps either against South Africa, although South Africa kind of like Fiji dug in pretty well. So yeah, that game's going to be going to be really fascinating. But they've got, you know, as Alex was saying, you know, England have got so many options. There's players there that didn't even get get stripped on on Saturday and. To bring in, and you know, I'm sure it's a, a positive selection headache for Simon Middleton. So I'm sure he's got a plan for this game. And and as Alex said, you do you do build into a tournament. So I think, yeah, England will be they'll be right there. You know, it's really between them and New Zealand in the end who's going to come out on top of this. But um, yeah, I thought some other countries played played pretty well at the weekend as well. Like you know, the USA and, and obviously got to be by Italy, but Canada were looking pretty good. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which countries kind of build build well into this. I think Alex and I, we've got the privilege of covering Pool A, uh, obviously with um, New Zealand, Wales, Scotland and Australia. And I think actually with the way these matches are turning out, I think it's going to come right down to the to the, the final match, I think, potentially with um, Wales and Australia playing in um, in week three uh, to see who's actually going to make it all the way, all the way through and potentially um, nick one of those quarterfinal places. Yeah, and I think, you know, you know, we talked a lot about Scotland, but I think you know Wales, for large parts of the game against Scotland, played really well, and they've got some some really good players. I mean, the breakdown area with you know Alicia Butcher's Alex Callender, Sinead Harris, they've still got Siobhan Littlecrap to come in. They're really quite a physical team. I'm not saying they're going to go and beat New Zealand this next weekend, but I think it'll be interesting to see as a marker for where Wales are, how they compete against New Zealand, because I think they're they're a sort of evolving team, and they've obviously had professionals of you know, a wee bit longer than teams like Scotland. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how they go up against against the Black Ferns. Just one final thing about Scotland, obviously, before the match and on, on Twitter and on social media, uh, there was the, the Remembering Siobhan campaign or the messages that went out um, for her. How much of the way Scottish rugby handled that do you think is hanging over this team? And I suppose on the other side of it, um, how how much of the passion that the team is playing with will be channeling uh, the memories of, of Siobhan Cassigan? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the overall situation, the way it's been handled, I think for just now, the players will have drawn a, drawn a line under it while they're away for this trip. You know, I think it's obviously things still to, to be discussed and things still to be, to be rightly investigated. But I think for just now, when they're away, the team will try to draw a line under that. But certainly in terms of what they bring emotionally and you know in their in their teamwork and their their sort of squad passion. I think, you know, a lot of that will be still Siobhan will be very much in their minds. I know that a few of them, you know, obviously still have her name on their wristbands and things like that. And uh, yeah, as I say, I mentioned earlier the 
the anthems yesterday, I'm sure she was in all her thoughts, and that was, uh, you know, that that'll continue for the rest of rest of the tournament. And Emil, just pivoting slightly to uh, some news that World Rugby announced just as uh, just as we're all getting ready for bed last night, and that is that World Rugby have gone and bought Rugby Pass. Um, and it's a trend, uh, almost following a trend that we're seeing with uh, national governing bodies trying to compete with independent media or you know, your newspapers or whatever. What impact is this going to have on, first of all, do you think the coverage that Rugby Pass puts out, but also just um, how the game is covered in general? Yeah, well, I think Rugby Pass are obviously known for doing some quite punchy headlines and stories. And um, World Rugby have said that they're not going to kind of try and contain that but you've obviously got to think if if that type of governing body is overseeing your work there might be some kind of influence there um I'd like to think it would stay the same and we want to see that kind of those kind of stories in the game but you just don't know the kind of impact they're going to have going forward and on those on the things that they put out yeah Alex do you think do you think it will still be possible to hold world rugby to the same levels of account that um they've been held to previously i don't know really i it's a it's a little bit without getting too political it's a little bit chomskyist isn't it like the they've go bought on, them out go on, get now. political get political at eight o'clock well, in the morning you just you just don't know you just don't know how much the owners are gonna influence what the journalists are gonna say and i think everyone's worried because um as imo said the rugby pass do do some great punchy stuff and they do really good interviews with people and sort of get the angles that maybe um some more sort of mainstream outlets might not be able to um stay but you know hopefully it doesn't um affect it like i think it probably will but um i can see it going um one way really and it being a little bit more diluted in its content yeah yeah i think um i don't think we'll see an immediate um impact on it. it'll be something that we might see sort of over the next um year or so um sort of rolling up to the next the next World Cup that'll be in um, Paris next year. Um, just before we wrap up, though, very keen to hear from all of you. Uh, your favourite your favorite moment or your, your top match from um, from the opening round of fixtures uh, doesn't have to be the match that you that you covered or you've, you've, you've followed closely, but you sort of stood out and it made you go, whoa, or just a little surprise from it. Um, Emo, what was... What was your sort of match or moment that, that stuck out to you? I think um, for me, it's got to be Abby Dow's try. You know, the the injury she's come back from and the, the time frame that she's done it in is just incredible and credit to you know, England's medical team and coaches that she's been able to do that. And coming back on to score a try like that within minutes of being on the pitch, I think will stick with me for a long time after what we've seen she go through. Alex, what about you? It's weird because I'm English, but Eleanor Snowsill's performance, like I saw a tweet saying um, Lionel Messi wears Eleanor Snowsill's <laughs> pajamas, which is pretty, pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was class, so I thought that was good. And and Gary, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the way Fiji played in the first half against England, just the, you know, to see the women's team playing the same way that the Fiji men's team played was, uh, was brilliant, you know. Couple of their tries were just <laughs> ridiculous, and probably although it hurts to say as a, as a Scotsman, you know, Kira Bevan's kick. I mean, the pressure that she was under there to to get that in eighty fifth minute was, uh, you know, given that she was only a sub and, and only just come on that that half to get up and do that. You know, that was, you know, showed some serious bottle, and that was, uh, yeah, 
That was great for Wales. Yeah, I think uh, I think you you took the one that I wanted to see. Actually, oh, I think that apologies. <laughs> that kick was fantastic, but uh, I, I suppose my other one was actually seeing South Africa back and playing in the tournament, having um, taken step back from the one five years ago to to welcome back um, what is one of the huge names in in world rugby to see them back playing again. Um, yes, they didn't win against France, but to see them back playing again, I thought was uh, was fantastic. And also, maybe just slightly touch on on Italy. I mean, they uh, say beat the USA. Those teams are quite evenly matched in the world rankings. But Italy, a bit like the French team, if they can get it, get their key players going, they could be a uh, you know dark horses. Yeah, certainly one to watch uh, coming this weekend. Italy have got Canada, so. Uh, Big test there for Italy, um, but why not? Let's have an upset this weekend. Let's do it. Let's bring it on. That'll bring an end to our Monday's episode of the World Cup Daily Podcast. A uh, huge thank you to Gary Heatley for joining us uh, straight after the uh, the Scotland press conference. We'll be bringing you all of the action uh, every single day of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, we'll be handing you over to uh, safe hands tomorrow. I believe James Price is stepping up tomorrow. But uh, thank you very much for listening and see you on the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.